0: Uh Oh, here we go. Uh, Laura, this interview today is with Michael Preston, who's kind of my boss at the Joan Ganz Cooney Center. So we should uh, we should acknowledge that from the beginning. And, and, and they're also releasing this podcast. So there's a there maybe there's a bit of a conflict of interest. I, I don't I don't know. We did our best to make him sound good. Um, 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 and um, uh, what else should we say?
1: Uh, so I also have met Michael a couple of times he's a really really interesting person Um, the work that he does around particularly youth perspectives and technology I think is really really important again this is one of those conversations that I think is going to appeal to all different audiences for parents actually for a lot of industry people I think there's a lot that they can learn from listening to Michael as well so yeah really excited for this one
0: Especially towards the very end, which I don't even really remember what we said at the very end, but I'm saying it just to make people feel like they have to stay all the way to the end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You definitely need to stay to the end. This one's great.
0: (laughs) Let's press play. All right, Laura, I'm excited. Today we have Michael Preston. We've been waiting for this one for a while. How are you doing, Michael? Hi, both. It's great to be with you two. The, the, the first thing we need to do is that, uh, uh, we've got to tell our audience who you are. So why don't, why don't we let you do that? Tell it, tell tell them, well, you know, wh- why will we be talking to you? They don't even know who you are. You're just some guy right now. So,
2: um, yes, I, I am some guy. Um, and I am also the executive director of the Joan Gans Cooney Center, which is a research and innovation lab within Sesame Workshop. Sometimes people, I think, misconstrue us as the research arm of Sesame, which actually has a very rich and long tradition of doing uh, formative research and evaluation work on all of the content we produce for kids. Um, the Cooney Center is different in that we're a more recent incarnation and we are focused on. In some ways, what, a good way to think about it is what happens after the kids uh, grow beyond the Sesame Street universe and into the wild world of, of digital um, and independence and, you know, making, making media choices for themselves um, <laughs> and continue to learn and grow in other ways. Um, And go into school and all those things. So we uh, over the years have have covered a lot of different topics, um, but um, lately have been focused very much on um, a partnership with public media and in Health and well-being and uh designing uh pra- design practices for innovators and those sorts of things. So we uh we're we're busy thinking about the future and trying to aim with a positive vision for how we want things to be for kids.
0: So but I, I wanna I wanna go backwards a second because I want to get to how you got into this, Michael. So you're you you have this 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 you're you're a you're a founder of CS for all, correct?
2: Yes, although it it requires a little explanation, doesn't it? Yeah, so CS for all is the is a couple of things. It is the, it's a concept of the computer science um, which is a, a large uh, has there's a it's a field with a lot of breadth what what computer science means especially for younger children or K, a K12 audience is a study of what computers can do and on the sort of universe around that um and i uh, over the last i don't know eight or eight years or so was very involved first in new york city and then nationally in helping um schools and districts um you know the new york city public school district being the country's largest at about a million students um navigate this world where computing was for uh universities and up are very specialized um, for you know kids who went to certain high schools and to try and make it something that uh, could be taught to kids across the k-12 spectrum and um, taught to all kids and not just a few who were selected for this opportunity and i think that it was driven by this idea that that the world we live in is is me- defined by the media and technologies around us you know there's there's as as our colleagues in the field would say you know digital is the world, right? It's not, there's, there's much less of a barrier between the, the analog and digital now and um, for kids to participate for all kinds of reasons to, to more effectively participate in society and to pursue interests uh, and uh, things they'd like to do that. This, this was essential and fundamental for, for any kind of, of future career or to, to just function. So anyway, we, there was a lot of momentum to, to create a, a program for all kids. So we started in New York, and it started in lots of other cities. In some ways, Chicago was first, and San Francisco, not far behind. And so ultimately, we we became kind of a national hub for people in this community, which has been another cross-sectoral effort to get everybody in the pool. And so if you have Public school districts, and universities, and researchers, and uh, funders, and tech tech companies, and really all companies, since every, every company is also kind of a tech company now. Uh, there's a lot of common interest in this, so that was for me the template of getting getting people in the room talking to each other. Um, so uh, teed me up for uh, a good shift over to the Cooney Center.
0: Yeah. So so can you tell us a bit about about where the Cooney Center is going, the future?
2: Yeah, the, we're always going to the future, aren't we? Um, yeah. So um well our our, our the the, pro- the biggest project we're focused on right now is um a partnership with the corporation for public broadcasting and um a network of public media stations around the country where we're trying to facilitate um, a conversation and, and a, a way forward together with them, um, first based on research we're doing this year um, in two strands. One is focused on youth media practices and the other on station engagement with the goal of figuring out how to serve teens and tweens. Uh, this is an audience that public media has been really ac- acutely aware of as as a missing audience, the kids that are are not served well uh, by public media. There's not that much, I think, partly because it's so hard to serve. Uh, the big kids that they're uh, they, they're they're diverse and their tastes change and as they become more independent, it's harder to do things for them.
0: It's it's almost like a, it feel it feel it don't, it almost feels like it like a you know like you're all the public media is how do you teach kids to read? Yes. It's all these learning you know for little like infants, toddlers, the smallest like you know y- yummy banana. Don't you feel sad? You're I never thought I never thought about it before that there really isn't much for kids as they start to deal with equally. Maybe maybe even more so uh, difficult developmental <laughs> struggles. That's
2: right. That's right. So so there's tons of great stuff for the little kids, um, and it it crosses cultures and um, you know within this country serves kids across an age span that ends around seven or eight. And I think you can say it's roughly tied to you know between when they go to school and or when they get access to a device. We, which we know is becoming a, a younger and younger phenomenon now that, that they choose uh, a, a whole diversity of, of media and it's interactive and, you know, it's, it's uh, communicative, you know, they're finding their people and all kinds of things happen. And ex- the accelerant is adolescent development, that they become middle school kids and and, and older and, and go after all kinds of other things. And they're, they seek, uh, they seek their, their communities and their, their, their unique, yeah, things that make them individuals, um, and their tribes. So, um, so figuring out, so we, we have this theory that, that the way forward with, with public media will be to think less about them, kind of in a homogeneous way, and just kind of broadcast to them, but to actually do something that's much closer to where kids are and participatory, uh, and and kind of differentiated to give kids more opportunity to take the reins. Um, so that's that's a, a a process that's that's underway now.
1: That's 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 fantastic.
2: Uh, so other ideas, we're, we're, we're actively thinking about health and well-being. I think this is something, and Laura, we've talked about this a lot, um, This this that there's this real need in the digital space to define um, health and well-being and to kind of get beyond the this, this sort of platitudes of screen time and how we're kind of oppressed by our use of digital media. And I mean, Jordan, you've written um, books about this, but the idea that... Um, that what kids do in digital spaces is what they do in non-digital spaces. It's a, it's a, but it's also um, a, a, the whole range of, of um, what kids want to pursue is just happening in, in, in other places and, and to, to think about it in a more nuanced way. Um, our findings from the public media work so far show, you know, multi-devicing obviously is is key. Um, you, know, you, you might see a kid on their computer and phone at the same time, and they might be running five different apps at the same time. You know, homework, YouTube, chatting with friends, etc. Um, all at the same time.
0: Can, can I ask a, a sort of a provocative question about that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of like... Um... How do I put it? What makes me curious is I think... Um, you know, I'm I'm sort of imagining what would a public TikTok look like, right? <laughs> a public, public TikTok, and then, and then first, there's a voice in my head that go that goes, you know, no, nothing like TikTok's ever going to get made unless it's made by you know disruptive innovator, you know, private sector kind of people. But I wonder if is it that is it that nobody's really tried to hit this this teenage from here, or is it really, or is there something um, essential about you know adolescence, puberty, that 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 is just better served by 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 um, the entrepreneurs than than
2: than than by the caretakers. It's <laughs> a great,
0: yeah, that's a great way
2: to look at it. I, I, it's in, that's a and that's a big discussion we're having. Like you know, for the future of of public media, as it were, what what are the core values that define it? Right, is is more the standpoint rather than how do we kind of make make the thing that. Is captivating to, for kids, um, but it's public media, right? So, um, even even in some of our interviews, kids aren't that aware of the existence of public media or what it means. Um, and you know, if you tell them that it's oh, it's commercial free, I think, or that it's free in general, kids are. are it's not as salient, and the kids are actually ju- they think media is free in general, um, and that the cost what what pays for the that free media uh, they, you know, as they get older, they understand more about how that works, that, that economic system that they're part of. Um, and it's just not, it's not as concerning to them. And so kind of going back to the values of public media to, you know, to educate and enrich and inform and entertain, like they're to think about how to, how to bridge those values into those other spaces, um, where, we can kind of serve kids developmental needs more thoughtfully but we can also do it in the tech ecosystems that they're used to um and not try to reinvent the wheel and try to attract kids to like this like um this safer ground let's say um and we can also think about media literacy uh and define it i think with more clarity since kids are are wading through a really complex space uh, and are become more and more aware of what it means and how how they might be manipulated or need to be careful about trusted sources um, and to bring in trusted voices as a way to to manage that a little bit. Um, there's also another area of public media concern that, that we are interested in too, which is reaching the kids who tend to be marginalized and that, that public media has a sp- Rich tradition of of representation, um, more than commercial media, and you know this this year's events uh, in the U.S. have only uh, drawn a, a stark uh, line around that that we we have to do better in general across lots of things, but that the the ability to tell stories where kids can see themselves across all kinds of communities and and uh, orientations and and see themselves and and to invest so that that more kids have opportunities. Um, so that that seems to be another place that we could lean into. And so we don't really drill down to like what's the TikTok of public media, <laughs> uh, although TikTok can be a place. Uh, can be uh, we can learn a lot from TikTok um, both as a, as a, an approach as well as the content that's there. Um, one one of the great things we've learned from our research so far is kids how really information seeking kids are, that they are constantly learning um, new skills, new new things they'd like to do, new ways to to connect and do things. Um, uh, whether it's musical instruments or crafting or or uh, you know whatever, um, they don't necessarily see um they see learning outside the boundaries of school and the the fact that they have the ability to go find almost anything and pursue it you know lightly and casually or in lots in great depth is kind of uh an amazing opportunity one
1: one of those things is so so interesting to me so this idea of um kind of giving young people much more autonomy so i'm really lucky in my job that i get to hang out with the community um i have Um, What we call the sounding board, who are a young group of people from the platform age 13 to 20 that I meet with regularly. Uh, We hang out on Discord together and it's hilarious and sometimes very worrying because they tell me everything. They ask me everything. Um, They are some of the smartest young people I've met in my life. And it's a true honor to work with them. You know, they come up with amazing ideas, many of which are actually being implemented on the platform as safety features or product changes because... That's the best way to learn, isn't it? So I think, you know, what you just said really resonated about we need to really understand what it is young people want, what they need. We need to listen to them a lot more. Um, and whilst research and surveys are great it doesn't really get into the heart of where young people are and so giving them that opportunity to tell us exactly what it is they want and for them to see the different opportunities available to them I think is really really important um, and also you it really sort of um, resonated with me when you were talking about the whole well-being thing I think it's never been more important not just for young people but for all of us <laughs> you know this has been a really tricky year um, and um allowing young people to understand that it's okay to not be okay you know but those big conversations but all of us to take responsibility for encouraging them to acknowledge that and to give them safe places and advice and places where they can go to talk about those feelings concerns I think for a very long time, this is where that kind of clash between both social media and more generic media and young people. It's all just consuming as opposed to using it as an outlet. And it's really lovely to be able to both support. And I think us as both adults, professionals and certainly industry, we have a huge responsibility to, to protect and support young people. But actually it's about empowering them as well to say you know you, it's okay and you can support one another and go seek help but we'll, we'll kind of guide you through it so it's a really interesting time um, and certainly back to my sounding board I had great conversations with some of the young people yesterday where we're really leaning into a lot of that wellness conversation and making sure that you know we're not just looking after them on our platform but looking after them as our community and much more broadly um, and, and they were so grateful for that because it just doesn't happen everywhere so as part of our kind of cross industry conversations I'd really love to see us sort of push that as as an initiative. I really
2: applaud you for having a sounding board Uh, and in some ways I feel like we all really need a sounding board it shouldn't be a special thing even that that we listen to young people um, especially as they grow into a place where they're more conscious of their own voice and opportunity to use it so it's it's in some ways incumbent upon us to develop spaces where that's possible uh, and, and not have those kids be outside of these conversations our um, one thing you said to me about safe spaces really resonated we, we also heard it in our research um, with young people that um, they're looking for places where they can have conversations they wouldn't have you know with parents you know around um, sexual health and gender and um, Mm-hmm. Things about you know, po- political identity formation, or just being confident and being yourself in the world. Um, these are all things that are so important. Um, and so, and one of the one of the wonderful things about the internet, uh, it's a complicated space, but the fact that you can find those places and find people uh, you can kind of commune with and aspire to be like, and so forth, is is really great.
1: That's kind of it's kind of a perfect segue into one of the things I really wanted to talk about today: play. And what that means, like for all of us, I think this is such a huge topic and it's one that people don't necessarily understand. So, you know, we, we all understand how essential play, healthy play is and that, you know, young people, it's 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 essential for young people growing up and actually for all of us to just have fun. It's so, so important. Um, I know this is something that's really at the core of a lot of everything that you do. Can you talk to us a little bit about the power of play and why you think it's so important for young people?
2: Uh, so, so the, that, yeah, the topic of play is, is so fundamental and becoming so, um, top of mind, I think for a, a lot of different reasons, I think there's a sort of the, the sort of broader sense there's a, it's, it's not a backlash, but it does feel a bit like a reaction to the way schooling has become so, um, reductivist around performance in certain ac- core academic subjects and, and that we've gradually squashed all opportunities for, for play and um, for improvisation and and trying new things and just challenging ideas, that it's kind of been pushed out of the the, the learning space generally. And we know that learning uh, through play is, is, it happens from the beginning and playful, play is, is in some ways, um, I don't know, fully interactive with learning. Um, they go together from an early age and it's only later that we kind of stop valuing it as much uh, and it's not something that's just the the provenance of like little kids. Um, So that starting from from that standpoint, I think that it's it's really important that we that we think about what, it mean, what play means and what its opportunities are. Um, and like our, the rest of our conversation here today, how it bridges the sort of physical and digital spaces and, and how those are probably less salient to kids than it is to us since, since the kids only know a world of, in which digital experiences are happening side by side um, with the non-digital. Um, the other thing too is that during this pandemic time in which we are living is that Play is 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 found finding its way into new spaces, and so making sure that we're designing those uh, in ways that support all the the, the features of the play that we like, um, and are not necessarily constraining them or or subjecting kids to sort of these adult affordances of technologies that maybe are not so great or are just not designed for kids. That there's an opportunity, like most tech most technologies uh, that have wide up brought uptake that they are, uh, designed for adults or for everybody first, um, which means adults, um, and maybe just certain kinds of adults, but that we actually think actively about how these platforms are, are adopted by children, uh, and young people, and then actively designed for them and with them. So that seems to be a moment where we can really, bring play into the foreground.
1: Um, Just to revisit one thing you were talking about, which really, again, for me, this whole, how do we bring back play as an acceptable thing it's like when children are really really small um you know we that's the way we communicate is the way we teach them about the world and then suddenly they kind of get to young adolescents and we're like stop messing around stop being silly stop playing get on with this schoolwork what are you doing in your room right now um and it's just it's really frustrating do you, do, what what do you think the barriers are what what is it that's you know stopping educators and parents from allowing that freedom
2: it's a great question I mean in some ways it's easy to blame the I mean I, I I named school systems and schooling as one of the the chief um, aggressors against playful learning um, because we we hardly make room for those ideas and it's almost like we don't trust kids that we have become so compliance oriented and so focused on outcomes and and optimizing for like a, a pretty narrow definition of success through academic achievement um, ironically motivated. Um, decades ago in the u.s by a desire to raise raise the floor and and help ensure that we had better outcomes across the board right we have some so much disparity uh in, in this country for sure around uh, educational achievement and when it's it's you know immoral that we have so many kids who are not prepared um or not not reading at grade level or or you're just not not really ready to graduate from high school or, or go on you know yada 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 like i could i could Go on about that um, but <laughs> but so that that alone is a problem, but that, I feel like some of the the well intentioned folks who have tried to you know engage in this education reform effort have squeezed things out a bit, and then technology I mentioned technology is another, another possible reason too is that you know anything that that you make on a computer <clears throat> is designed and it's um, and it tends to be designed to have certain functions and they can kind of you you specify what it's going to do and it tends to narrow then the field in which you can operate and so the the rise of sort of a hacker culture around tech uh, is in some ways a direct and playful um, and subversive response to the the need to sort of program everybody
0: yeah I think I think we get we also need to need to look at the adults and I don't um, you know and I don't mean look at what the adults do I mean look at what we consider to be um, adult adulthood um, and um, I, I don't know you know a, a, a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of what I see among among grown-ups is 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 that we think like our life is about doing work right um, we, we don't work to fund the the to fund the play the playful parts of our lives we we get some playful parts from Our lives after, as a reward for for working in unplayful ways, and and the reason I say that is not is not just to sort of. bring up an a, a epistemological question, but also to say in some ways, like I think that's at the core of the learning problem because, you know, you can say well, there's better ways to teach children, but I, we are trying to teach them how to fit into a f- certain image of adulthood. And in some ways, I'd argue we're doing it in a way that matches the image of adulthood that most that most of us are living. Um, so, you know, we can complain all we want, but first you got to change the, the ultimate outcome before you just think about what's the best way to get to all the small outcomes along along the way
1: we we just had a really interesting discussion um, here at home actually my son's school he, it was he used to attend a Waldorf school and it was really like very much about the child and well-being and growth and all of those lovely values um, and it's been taken over by a different type of academy trust and they're introducing a school uniform. A very strict old school blazers, et cetera, school uniform. And obviously the kids are really struggling with this concept. And we all, a lot of the parents challenged and the school came back saying, well, it helps them into adulthood where they will probably be expected to wear suits. At which point, all of us who work in tech and similar were like, "Really? It's a long time since I've been wearing a blazer." Actually,
2: I'm wearing my pajamas right now. I haven't taken them off in eight months. <laughs> so yeah,
1: I think I think you're right. I really that it does make sense. But the just the values we need to question as to why why do we still think that way? And actually, we can all. You know, back to that thing of being disruptors, maybe we should disrupt that norm and make it a bit more healthy. If we're talking about well being, actually, we as adults need to look at our own work-life balances and well-being so that we can be better role models for young people so yeah,
0: well let's 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 jump into that question and, and and let me turn that to you you michael i know you're you this is one of the things you think a lot about is what is well-being what is wellness when it comes to kids so let, let's let's just let's let's ask that in the big sort of abstraction way what is, what is well-being what is wellness what do we really mean when we're when we're saying we're concerned about um well i, I think everybody's concerned about kids health and well-being but you know what what do we mean what, yeah, what do mean we're actually concerned with layers
2: (laughs) to it right i mean it's it's about you know when we're talking about the teen and tween work it's about identity formation and being you know comfortable with your with yourself as you discover yourself right that's that's so important but there's also the 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 community side of it you know where you fit in the world and how you develop relationships the relational side relational side of things the the idea that kids are we've actually been having this active debate um internally about like what what how to design like really nutritious content for kids or experiences that that so much if you look at like the connected learning work it's a lot about interest driven learning as the sort of primary driver and um where we're trying to focus uh, kids kids are are we all can kind of acknowledge the kids are in learning mode all the time, that they're information seeking inherently, and they are learning in school, but they're also learning all the time everywhere. Um, And so to give kids opportunities in an equitable way to find those things, think about them, experience them, um, and make decisions about what they want to pursue and what level of seriousness seems to be part of the sort of self-actualization aspect of health that I think is really interesting for us to consider. Um, And so is it, is that meant to be, what does it mean to be fulfilling for those kids? Is it to be, um, to make them happy or to have fun or to be delighted by it or have a, develop a sense of wonder? Is it to just be like, or at the other end of the spectrum, more like what you were talking about, um, Jordan, about like preparing for adulthood or, or, or uh, Laura, your, your school's example, like, um, this whole idea of college and career readiness as as a, as a design for, for the future. Like why, why learn?
1: I think that was absolutely beautiful explanation actually, because it's not as simple, you know, it's not less screen time or less apps or less game time or, you know, eat well and go for a run. It's not that easy. It is about the self. It's about the wholeness um, and helping young people be grounded, safe, supported, you know, it's it's that whole it takes a village approach. We all have to be a part of that well-being and supporting them to to find it themselves as well. No,
2: right. I, 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 you know, it's. I feel like I just kind of like went off on this improvisational tangent because because truly we're thinking about this actively all the time right now, um, and uh, I think that the, obviously there's a really robust research base on um, well-being on adolescents and, and, and youth, um, children, tweens, teens, the whole spectrum. Um, and so we can certainly ground ourselves in that space and it's important to, but then also just to acknowledge, um, that, that the pervasive media that we live in, um, together, uh, creates different kinds of opportunities and challenges, um, that just help us, of take a step back and acknowledge kind of what it means to to kind of grow up in this space um stacy mathias who's a, a researcher and designer had this company where the tagline was helping kids do the work of growing up um, something like i think i'm trying i'm paraphrasing a little bit there but I, I that really stuck with me
1: yeah and I think maybe that's the bit where we've all looked at it as academics professionals medical professionals of we know what's best for young people and in some cases we do and we have to make sure that we're stepping up and doing all of those good things but the bit that was missing for a long time is actually I think asking young people what they needed and what they wanted and I think that might be the final bit that's really going to take this to a different place where it, it really is much more effective the
2: other thing I love about this media research that we've been doing is the the sort of balance between serious and non-serious that, you know, we talk about play over here and we talk about learning over here um, and then try to bridge them as a sort of a learning through play thing. But I also think there's a lot of room for messing around joke. Like uh, I think Mimi Ito used that term messing around, but also joking around and being sarcastic or pretending or trying on a, a completely different identity from the one that you may have uh, in some circles, and so you know well, I think while we can get very heavy about the sense of well-being, I think bringing a sense of 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 joy and i, I before I, I mentioned subversion like it's it's actually fun to take risks and break rules and do things wrong and differently and and we have to we have to like acknowledge that that's not only possible that it's that's really vitally important and that 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 that's that's almost like an essential skill as well like are you willing to to do the thing that you think you should do
1: awesome well we're gonna have to wrap up now it's been a really amazing conversation we have a couple of questions that we've asked all of our guests so please bear with um so the first one from me would be if you had a crystal ball what would be one prediction you're going to give me about what the landscape might look like in 2021 oh wow
2: 2021 is only, um, like a month away. I I know that was, (laughs) Uh, she doesn't usually ask it that way.
0: Usually she's like the future. I know that's, that's much easier than (laughs) than a month.
2: Yeah. It's like, so first of all, we're going to have jetpacks, um, because (laughs) that's the future. Um, (laughs) I, the, it's interesting. So one of the ways this question has been framed to me before is like, what's life like going to be like after the pandemic? And it's fun to imagine that there will actually be a post pandemic life and we'll be able to go places and hug each other and all that kind of stuff again. Um, but I do think it's interesting to think about what we'll have learned from all this. Um, where it has felt very constrained and restrictive and, you know, sometimes oppressive and scary. Um, but that we've also figured out new ways of doing things for play, for work, for getting our, our, our business done each day, you know, from telemedicine to... Socializing online in new and funky ways. and so I think there like maybe maybe we'll be reevaluating everything when we come back to a uh, 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 when it's safer to go outside and such that that there will be new ways of doing things. Um, and I would love to think that we've will have taken the opportunity to, to reevaluate a bunch of things that we maybe valued before, but we can maybe value less now.
0: That's a good, that's a good answer. I'll, 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 do, we'll do one more question to wrap to, okay. to wrap this all up, which is, uh, uh, you know, most of our listeners are, are, are parents, educators. Uh, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not those of us who work in research who are deeply engaged in the field all the time. They have lots of questions. So, so, um, so, you know, what's the thing you think that those, 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 uh, you know, I was going to say average parents and educators, but I'm sure they're above average, right? Uh, <laughs> they're,
2: above, they're all above average
0: everyone is aren't they <laughs> there is no such thing oh. as average but but still what, what's the what what what's the thing you think they, they should be thinking about which they know what you know i i what advice would you give How, however you want you want yeah. to frame it
2: you know jordan I'm, I'm really in your camp on this which is that i think it's like parenting for me I have three teenagers, uh, which is astounding. Um, since I'm barely older than they I'm are, so sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm really, my condolences. <laughs> to truthfully though, I really oh, love yeah. it. I think they have become just bigger you know they've, as they become young people young adults almost that they they are just we just have even better conversations at the dinner table now than ever before um but it's been a blessing of the pandemic in a way too is that i've had been around them so much more and have been able to avail myself of opportunities to to be part of their world whether it's digital or not but then to really kind of push in and ask them and have them show me or play a game together that I wouldn't otherwise see. And so I think the visibility, you know, parenting d- doesn't like stop because they they leave necessarily or, or go into these digital spaces that are a little bit harder to see, um, but to be able to just ask ask to be part of it and take it seriously and not dis- not be dismissed, but then to say, I- I'm really interested in that too. Can you show me? Um, and actually... Um, level level the playing field a little bit. That that has been one of the pleasures of all this. And what I think of as, you know, parenting in the digital age means like you know digging in.
0: Great answer. Anything else you want to Anything else you want to say that we haven't we haven't asked you about? Anything.
1: Um.
0: Is is
2: is, is Biden president yet? This
1: is an apolitical broadcast.
2: <laughs> it is. I didn't know that. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> now this is this is great this is fun and thank you i i have to say i feel like i just rambled a lot i hope it was somewhat coherent at times and, and if you can
0: trim
2: out all the incoherence that would be uh terrific can, can we leave the,
0: can we can we leave the part where you say if you trim out all the incoherence <laughs> <laughs>
2: that one long question about what well-being means I think you know we we're on the one hand like we're actively trying to develop like measures of, of well-being and people like Michael Rich are going to have um, you know really clear criteria for that sort of thing you know somebody who's a clinician whereas I'm still I'm still much more of a human development kind of like actual self-actualization kind of person like not in the hokey sense but of like like finding yourself and, and like, you know using all these available resources so I think that's That's so interesting.